Hello and welcome to Randy's Vinyl Tap, Coast to Coast. Put on your seatbelts and get ready for a ride in the rock and roll time machine. We're going to celebrate music from yesterday and today and glue it together with stories and memories. Our theme this week is Power Trios. Three guys making a big noise. I'm talking about Hendrix, Cream, Zeppelin, Van Halen, all these guys. So we're going to kick off the show with a monster song. In 1986, in the spring, my phone rang. A voice said, Rand? I said, yeah. He said, this is Samala. I only know one Samala, Sammy Hagar. He said, Rand, I just joined Van Halen. I'm the new lead singer. I'd like BTO to be the opening act. I said, well, we just came off of a 90-day tour. We got to stay home. This was a Friday morning. <laughs> he says, this is a big opportunity for you guys. I got to know by five o'clock today. And this is like noon. And so I say, okay, I'll call you back. And he said, look, all we want is 30 minutes. And Van Halen, if you ever saw them live, and most people did, had a, what they call a popcorn act that didn't play anything anybody knew. So everyone was out buying popcorn and buying their merchandise. He didn't want that. He wanted 30 minutes of hit songs. I don't want anyone yelling, where's Dave? When I come out, because they had Why Can't This Be Love, they had a couple of songs out already. And I said, okay. So I went on tour with Van Halen. It was 1986, it was wonderful. It was 10 and a half months. And every single day, I would go out and do my soundtrack. Then Van Halen would come and do theirs. And we would jam out this song, Crossroads. Eddie's favorite version was Cream Live. He loved Eric Clapton's double solos in there. And when you get a power trio normally in the studio, you overdub, you play a rhythm guitar, and then you kind of play your lead guitar. No overdubs. Jack Bruce going crazy and solo, Ginger Baker on drums, Eric Clapton going crazy, and all of them taking turns singing. Amazing. So we're going to give you the song Crossroads, Cream Live from Wheels of Fire. What a way to kick off the show. Cream Live, Ginger Baker, Jack Bruce, Eric Clapton doing Crossroads. And here is the guy that inspired it all. His name was Robert Leroy Johnson, born in 1911. Passed away in 1938. Was a very mediocre, average singer-guitar player who hung around all these other great blues guys. And one day he vanished. He came back two and a half months later walked into one of the juke joints, which is just a house, with a barrel in the middle with a fire to keep everybody warm, serving drinks, and started to play, and they were amazed. And he had written all these great songs, which have gone on to inspire the Chicago blues movement out of Chess Records and the British power trio movement out of England. So that was a cream. We're going to give you about 30 or 40 seconds of Robert Johnson to show where these songs came from that inspired these guys. And then we're going to go to America's great John Mayer, who had a really good pop career. Right? He had like really, he was a really great pop artist, and he gave it all up. And everyone was stunned. And he went back to his roots, the blues. 
him on a Stratocaster Fender guitar, a bass player, and a drummer. And then he did his own version of Crossroads. So we're just going to blend the two. We're going to give you a little bit of Robert Johnson, show where this came from, and then right into John Clayton Mayer with his version of Crossroads, 2009. Johnson and the last was John Mayer with Crossroads giving you a little taste of the power trio and how important it was. Before that I remember growing up and most bands had four guys in it. They had a rhythm guitar player who played the chords on a guitar, an acoustic or an electric, and then the lead guitar player who usually sang or played the solo in the middle, and a drummer and a bass player. So going way 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 back this is how it started. There was no electric instruments way, way back then. Everything was acoustic. So it was a stand-up acoustic guitar like a Gibson or a Martin, what we call a double or stand-up bass, and a drummer playing drums, one microphone, which might have been for the vocal. Everybody else played acoustically. You wanted to play louder, guess what? You moved your hand and you played louder. If you wanted to play softer, you held back and you played softer, and you, cre you mixed yourself. You had your own volume. Way, way back in the late 50s, there was a guy in Texas whose name was Charles Harden Holly, known professionally as Buddy Holly, one of the great originators of rock and roll. He had an electric guitar, they had a stand-up bass, which was played by Jerry Allison, and they had a drummer. In my mind, this was the first power trio guitar, bass, and drums. Here's Buddy Holly, 1957, with That'll Be The Day. I'm Randy Backman, this is Vinyl Tap, and that's your rock and roll history lesson on where Power Trio started with Buddy Holly. Stay tuned, we're going to keep the rock rolling. We are continuing with Power. Power Trios, Canada's greatest Power Trio of all time. Geddy Lee, incredible singer like no one else. Neil Peart, an amazing drummer who had every drum in the world, who wrote incredible lyrics for this band, and Canada's probably, without a doubt, greatest guitar player, Alex Lifeson, who when they started, you know, they were a cover band, they did Zeppelin, everybody else, and then this band, Rush, evolved into the most amazing 
rock and roll power trio that was very progressive. Some of their songs I still don't understand. They got weird time signatures in, but millions and millions of fans love them around the world. So we're going to celebrate with their song called Tom Sawyer. If you're a guitar player, see if you could count some of these bars these guys are playing. This is the incredible rush on our Power Trio show, 1981, February 28th. Getty, Neil, and Alex with Tom Sawyer. Canadian power trio. That was Rush. Now we're going to take you way, way back to the beginnings of rock and roll. A guy named Eddie Cochran. He wrote a couple of great songs. Come on, everybody. And this song, which has become a classic, is called Summertime Blues. And it tells what every kid feels in the summertime when school is done and you want to go a little crazy. And your father says, time to get a job. And you don't want to get a job. So we're going to give you 1958, the great Eddie Cochran, who wrote this song, Summertime Blues. And he played a Gretsch 6120 guitar. His band was a drummer and a stand-up bass player. And then somewhere along the way, they invented a guitar amplifier and a bass amplifier. And things got louder. And then they put a mic on the drummer. And then they put up a big PA system and rock and roll became loud power. So we're going to give you one of the loudest bands in the world. Pete Townsend, Roger Daltrey, Keith Moon, and John Entwistle on bass from their Live at Leeds album. And I toured the whole year with John Entwistle when I played with Ringo Starr's All-Star Band. He's a very sweet, wonderful guy and a cool bass player. We're going to give you back-to-back Eddie Cochran with Summertime Blues and then The Who, Summertime Blues. I'm a gonna raise a bus, I'm a gonna raise a holler. No dice, son, you gotta work late Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna do But there ain't no Boy, that was fantastic. The Who doing Summertime Blues. And it's great how these British power trios took early American rock and roll, which a lot of it was kind of soft and acoustic, and they just plugged in their 1 and 200 watt Marshall amps and blew the face off. These were too big to play indoors. They were playing outdoors. That was Who Live at Leeds. Okay, we're going to get another power trio in Canada. Canada totally rocks. Okay, these guys were called Triumph. They were Rick Emmett, a great lead vocalist and guitar. Gil Moore, who now owns Metalworks Studios, and I recorded there a little while ago in Oakville. And Mike Levine. 
one of Canada's great power trios, great big song of theirs, 1979, called Lay It On The Line. That was Triumph with a song called Lay It On The Line from the album Just The Game, January 1979, rocking the Canadian power trio. Now to one of the power trio that has endured all time, Led Zeppelin. In 1967, I was with a guest who we had just returned from England, and we were asked to play at the Cleveland Art Institute. We had a couple of songs that they would hear in Cleveland that were played in Canada. And this gig was with the new Yardbirds. The Yardbirds had broken up. Keith Ralph had been electrocuted from an unfortunate accident in his studio. They had a new lead singer, and they had a new lead guitar player whose name was Jimmy Page. So we went to Cleveland Art Institute, and of course, it's an art institute, it's a school. Our dressing room is a classroom with desks in it. So we go in the dressing room, we put down our clothes and our guitars, and next to me comes Mr. Jimmy Page, James Patrick Page. At the time, I had a Rickenbacker guitar, and he just looked at my guitar and he said, wow, do you ever think I could play that guitar? He said, sure, let me play yours. And at the time he had his Telecaster or some sort of artwork graffiti on that was his main guitar. And so we traded guitars then, we changed our clothes, we both did our gigs, and that's when I first met Jimmy Page. He had a few remnants of the Yardbirds, I think maybe the drummer and the bass player, whose name was Chris Trasia, and he had a friend along who he called Percy, who I believe was Robert Plant. And he told me as soon as he did these Yardbird gigs and got a little bit of money, because they were all totally broke, he was going back to England to start a new band. Fast forward a couple of years, it's the Seattle Pop Festival, which is in July of 1969. This was amazing. Here's who was on the Seattle Pop Festival. Bo Diddley, the Flying Burrito Brothers, 10 years after. The Guess Who? Albert Collins, Santana, Youngbloods, Tim Buckley, The Birds, Charles Lloyd, Santana, Lonnie Mack, Chicago Transit Authority, that's before they even called Chicago. Chuck Berry, Black Snake, Vanilla Fudge, Led Zeppelin, The Doors. So I saw Led Zeppelin again. Then they had their first album out. I even stood beside them in the audience because then there was no security. It was just a big field. It was summertime. It was Seattle, three glorious days of sunshine. I remember standing there next to Jimmy Page and Robert Plant watching Icantina Turner and the other bands. When you played, you just walked into the audience and hung out with all hippies. It was all really cool. I call Led Zeppelin a power trio because basically it's guitar, bass, and drums. Jimmy Page playing his 59 Les Paul, John Paul Jones on bass, and, and the amazing Bonzo, as they called him, John Bonham on drums. I could have played Stairway, but enough of that already. Here's a great riffy song by Led Zeppelin, 1971, called Black Dog. Thank you. 
That was Led Zeppelin rocking and rolling with Black Dog. I'm Randy Backman, coast to coast with Vinyl Tap. Now we're going to get into a one chord song. The first time I heard this song, I was baffled because when I'm learning rock and roll, everything was what they call three chords and the truth, or maybe a little fourth chord. When I first heard this and took it home, it kind of drove me crazy. All my friends loved it. So this is a one chord song. It's called Hey Bo Diddley from 1957. And that kind of maybe inspired me later on in the Guess Who when I broke a string on stage and got up to tune my 59 Gibson Les Paul guitar, tuning up, I started to play a very similar beat to Hey Bo Diddley, which turned into American Woman. And I would class this as a power trio for the Guess Who because the Guess Who was an amazing band that when Burton Cummings played piano, we sounded like the zombies. When he stood up at the mic and just sang, we were a power trio and we were like the doors. So here's Hey Bo Diddley, 1957, one chord song, an American woman, the Guess Who 1970, kind of a one chord song. Let's rock it. American woman. I had to leave the Guess Who. I went into the hospital. I needed time with my family. And then I started up with my brothers, a band called Bachman Turner Overdrive. We put out our first BTO album and somehow they loved it down south. We got a lot of bookings down there. We played with the Almond Brothers, ZZ Top, the Doobie Brothers. All of us were just getting started. This is like 1972. And we did a lot, a lot of gigs with ZZ Top, Billy Gibbons, uh, Dusty Hill, and uh, Frank Beard. And then we had a, a, one of our songs became a hit in Canada. We came back to play Canada. We brought ZZ Top to Canada for the first time. I remember we played the Commodore in Vancouver, and they were so rocking loud. They were blowing glasses off the bar, which is at the end of the Commodore. This is a song of theirs that's pretty amazing. It still gets played all the time. There we go with a song called LaGrange, 1973, ZZ Top. This is Vinyl Tap on Rock Radio. This is Randy Backman. Stick around. There's more rock to roll. Continuing with power trios. Here's some that were just loud enough, but not blastingly loud. His name was Stephen Ray Vaughan, known as Stevie Ray Vaughan. From Austin, Texas, he had an album called Texas Flood. He had a great band called Double Trouble, power trio, bass player, drummer. 
About 10 years ago, I was inducted into the Nashville Musicians Hall of Fame. I was inducted there with Double Trouble and Stevie Ray Vaughan, but since he had passed away, Kenny Wayne Shepherd came and sat in with Double Trouble. And I got to play with Double Trouble, which was amazing. So here's the Stevie Ray Vaughan song called Pride and Joy 1983. And then to our own great Canadian blues guy, really good dear friend of mine, I miss him dearly, Norman Jeffrey Healy, known as Jeff Healy, with his power trio, guitar, bass, and drums, with a B.B. King song that he kind of made his own called Early in the Morning. Stevie Ray Vaughan, 83, with Double Trouble, and Jeff Healy with Early in the Morning, 1999. Jeff Healy live with me on guitar and the great Duke Robillard joining him. That was the little show we did at Massey Hall many years ago. That was really cool to hear that. 1995 was a great year for me. My phone rang early one spring morning. A voice said, hello, this is Ringo Starr. I want you to play in my band. So Ringo Starr invited me to play in his all-star band, 1995. So I joined his band. It was an 11-month Wonderful jury magi magical mystery tour for me. It was amazing. With Ringo on drums, his son Zach Starkey on drums, who now is playing with The Who, John Entwistle on bass, Billy Preston, you know, you know, his own solo and played on the Beatles stuff on organ, on, on piano actually, Felix Cavalier from The Rascals on organ, and a guy who became a very, very good friend of mine. Mark Farner on vocals and guitar. We all sang our own hit songs and played each other's hit songs. What a big deal was obviously backing Ringo, playing on Boys and Yellow Submarine and all of his fun songs. So here's Grand Funk Roll of 1973 featuring Don Brewer, who's the drummer who wrote the song, a really cool rock and roll power trio. We're an American band. That was Grand Funk Railroad, and now we're going to go to the ultimate power trio that changed the world. I met him in the mid-60s in Greenwich Village in New York City. Uh, then he was using the name Jimmy James. He was wearing a, spar <laughs> a burgundy sparkle suit with high socks, with white socks, kind of like in the Michael Jackson style. But shortly after that, he was discovered by Chaz Chandler, who was the bass player in The Animals, who had just finished their tour in New York. And he saw this guy playing guitar. He invited him to England. He traded in his little harmony guitar, got him a Fender Stratocaster, 
a stack of amps, and I was lucky enough to be in England with the Guess Who in 1967 when all this started. Zeppelin was starting, Cream was starting, The Who were starting. They just changed their name from the high numbers and the detours, and they became The Who. And then this guy became Jimi Hendrix. A stack of Marshall amps playing a white Fender Stratocaster upside down, and he lit the world on fire. Jimi Hendrix, 1971, with his experience, fire. Jimmy take over. Yes, that was Jimmy Hendrix with Fire. You're listening to Randy's Vinyl Tap, coast to coast across Canada. We're going to continue our power trio. And these guys, you know, every once in a while, like out of England, a power trio thing comes and it changes the world. And then it gets quiet. And then something comes out of Athens, Georgia, and then it gets quiet. And when this came out of Seattle, flannel shirt, jeans rock, it changed the world again. His name was Kurt Cobain. The amazing thing was his drummer, Dave Grohl, has gone on to having the Foo Fighters having his own great career, and Chris Novoselic on bass. Uh, somebody told me once, you gotta go to the Commodore in Vancouver and see this band called Nirvana. They are insane, they are fantastic. You should produce them, because I was producing VTO and Trooper at the time. I said, I don't have time to produce another band. Obviously, I didn't go, but I regret not going. So here from 1991, Kurt Cobain, who played left-handed. The band is called Nirvana, and the song is called Smells Like Teen Spirit, a classic power trio song. And now on to another great Canadian party band, Power Trio. No matter who's backing them on drums and bass, it's Ray McGuire and Brian Smith who wrote the songs, lead guitar and vocals. I mentioned earlier that I didn't get interested in Nirvana because I was producing Trooper. They lived near me. I lived in New Westminster. They were a Vancouver band. I helped them write their songs, played on a few of their records. We had many, many great years together. Whenever they appear somewhere in Canada, I just might show up and play this song with them. Here's Trooper with Raise a Little Hell. Here's a band I really like. They weren't a loud power trio, but 
the guy wrote great songs. His name was Gordon Sumner. We know him as Sting. His guitar player, Andy Summers, was an incredible guy who played a Telecaster guitar, who played incredible textures and chords on his guitar. And then they had this offbeat drummer who played the most incredible mixture of rock and reggae drums. They were called The Police. I saw them many times live. And the last time was their big last tour in Toronto. So here's 1979. And I remember the first time I heard this. I had a number one song in Italy in the late 70s. I had a band called Iron Horse. And I had a song that was number one there for like 16 weeks. So I went to tour Italy and then they wanted to take pictures of us. So they take you into a big room with a white screen and a ladder and you got to pose. It's kind of like taking your kids to Kmart for their little picture. And they kept playing this music and I kept saying, what is that music? It's very weird. It's kind of reggae, but it's not. And they were playing the first Police album. So I got hooked on this song. It's one of my favorites. Written by Sting, Gordon Sumner. Here's the Police, 1979 with Roxanne. I've known a long, long time. His name is Joe Walsh. He started out in the James Gang way, way back in the Guess Who. Uh, we did gigs with the James Gang. They were a trio then, a power trio. Joe Walsh, Jim Fox, and Dale Peters. Then he went on to have his own great solo album with great songs like Rocky Mountain Way. And then Fortune Fell Into His Lap. His manager and friend, Irv Azoff, happened to manage the Eagles, who were looking for a guitar player, and then Joe Walsh joined the Eagles, and he's still with the Eagles, and they make incredible music. They are still going, and you got to give them credit for that. Here's Mr. Joe Walsh, 1970, with a great song that when you pick up a guitar and your guitar player, you start to play this little riff. James Gang, and the song is called Funk 49. for a segue from the James Gang into Colin James. A very good friend of mine. I'm a real big fan of Colin James. Him and Jeff Healy have been our blues guys, our blues messengers for many, many years. The last time I saw Colin James, we were doing a special with Michael Casehammer at the Mary Winsper Theater here that was on PBS. And he's looking like my little brother. He's got a little beard. He's got kind of grayish hair. We're both, we're both mellowing into a different age. I won't say it's an old age, but we bo- we look like we're related, and we kind of are. We're like rock and roll guys together. Here's a cover version by Morgan Davis, one of Colin James's great songs, and he appears with a big band and sometimes as a trio. So we're celebrating him as a trio here, and this song is called Why'd You Lie?
Nice guitar playing there, Mr. James. That was Colin James. This is Randy's Vinyl Tap. If you want to get in touch with us, send your letters to Randy's Vinyl Tap, P.O. Box 2100-2100, Sydney, B.C., V8L3S6. Email can go to mailbag at randysvinyltap.com and you can leave us a phone message at 1-844-827-4323. We'd love to hear from you. All right. A couple of years ago, I got an email from a woman who was the marketing person for the Stratford Festival in Stratford, Ontario. And she said, this year, we're premiering a digital version of Tommy. Would you like to come? I thought, wow. So I called her up and I said, yeah, I'd love to come and see this. And she said, oh, I'll sit you behind Pete Townsend. I said, what? He's coming? She said, you can have dinner with him. So I had dinner with Pete Townsend. I sat behind him. And while Tommy was going on, he leaned back to me and he said, the drummer is incredible. Plays every lick of Keith Moon. I looked at the program and I said, Pete, the drummer is Dale and Brendan. I know her. I played gigs with her. So after the show, we went backstage and met her. At the time, I was obsessed with power trios. I wrote an album called Heavy Blues. I got Kevin Shirley, who does a lot of remixes for Zeppelin and ACDC, he's an Australian guy, to produce my album. We did it one week in Toronto. And because I wanted a power trio and I now had a girl drummer like the ultimate Keith Moon, I happened to go to the Junos and I saw a band called Ladies of the Canyon. And I loved the bass player. She played great bass. And her name was Anna Ruddick. And amazingly, amazingly enough, she was wearing a John Entwistle t-shirt. So who do I want best for a power trio is a girl on drums like Keith Moon and a girl playing bass like John Entwistle. So I did this album in a week. Songs called Wild Texas Ride. I wrote for my album Heavy Blues featuring Anna Ruddick on bass and... Dale and Brendan on drums. Hear me rockin' as a power trio. Now we're going b -b 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 back to b -b bad to the bone. His name is George Thorogood from Wilmington, Delaware, a power trio of great fun. He's kind of like Trooper, just a real good party guy. Uh, 1982, George Thorogood and his the Delaware Destroyers. How's that for a name? Bad to the bone. <laughs> Well, it was really fun recording this show. I enjoyed sharing this time with you. Come on back in six days and 22 hours. Keep the rock rolling, think and do something green, and come on back to the tap every single week. 